Welcome to Taiwan Talk on ICRT FM 100. I'm Ryan Drilsma. This week we delve back into the topic of renewable energy and Taiwan. And this week's podcast is all about wind power. And I speak to an expert on the matter, Bart Linson, who is a co-chair of the Wind Energy Committee at the European Chamber of Commerce Taiwan and the managing director of the Asia-Pacific hub of Enercon, Germany's largest wind turbine supplier. We discuss the perks of wind energy, Taiwan's wind energy objectives, and the obstacles the country faces in achieving them. To start off with policy related to wind power, Taiwan's government recently announced a consistent target of adding one gigawatt of wind energy per year to its total generation output until 2035. Something, as Bart explains, would make wind power a significant proportion of the total energy generated in the country. Currently, I estimate, I, I don't know the exact numbers, but uh, wind probably produces somewhere between one to 2% of the uh, energy needs of Taiwan. The totals for renewables um, is 5%. Uh, the government has a target of 30% uh, by wind. Um, there is no year for that. I think this is a, uh, a credible target, especially if you consider the current plans that they have uh, for offshore wind. The, the plan until 2035 is to install 15 gigawatts. That's not exactly 30% yet, but that's very significant. And it would, for example, mean that on, on good wind days that half the country is running on, on wind energy. Taiwan is placing a lot of emphasis on localization and the local manufacturing of wind turbine parts. For wind farms to qualify for the government's feed-in tariff rate, 27 items in turbines must be made locally. There's been controversy over whether these rules are hindering production, with some agents suggesting they're in contravention of World Trade Organization rules. The ECCT itself called them broad and inflexible, although the Taiwan government has doubled down and stated local content requirements don't break any international rules. I asked Bart if international wind energy developers play a critical role in helping Taiwan reach its objectives. It's definitely important. So, as I mentioned earlier, there is there was not really the the, the knowledge to um, to carry out such developments, and also the. For, for the financing, um, uh, we have uh, found that local banks and insurance companies uh, were very hesitant to invest in these farms just because of the fact that they could not, uh, they, they have no way to judge the, the, the risks associated with that. And foreign businesses are already have experience with these kinds of investments and are able to, uh, to generate the financing for these projects. So especially in the initial stage, uh, this uh, foreign participation has been very critical. Um, I think localization is definitely an obstacle. Uh, it's hard to build such an industry from scratch and to find suppliers that are willing to in invest significantly in their production and their know-how to be able to supply you with uh, products that are meeting your quality and and. Uh, and quality standards, and uh, that has really been a challenge for these uh, investors. So yes, they they support the the local production of these items, but to be able to find these manufacturers and then also to be to stay cost effective on your product, uh, that's uh, that's a challenge. 
The government's set to announce soon the third phase of the nation's wind farm development plan, which has been dubbed zonal development. Could you break down the first two phases and explain what the third zonal development is? Okay, so actually the, um, with this whole plan, the government had two clear goals. Uh, one is the energy transition to move away from traditional fossil fuels and go to renewable energy. But the other goal very clearly is to develop and own wind industry in Taiwan. And um, that's where they came up with these three phases. So basically phase one is a demo phase. That's where you show that this, this kind of um, offshore wind farms are technically and commercially feasible. In phase two, then uh, you, you start to attract these international players. Taiwan did not have or does not, still not really has this local industry. It does not have developers that are uh, capable yet to develop such offshore wind farms. So it was essential to develop, uh, to, to, to get the interest of international players here. So at, that, at the phase, the second phase, the government offered quite um, good subsidies and uh, also the requirements for localization for the turbines were were there, but they were minimal. And um, for as far as I can observe, this has been quite successful. And you see a lot of the international players like uh, Rursted, CIP, uh, WPD here and um, active in, in the offshore wind industry uh, right now. Uh, this phase two was about five gigawatt. That's also a significant capacity for, for such... Uh, um, for such farms, and well, phase two, phase three, sorry, is then the the that that's where the, the localization really has to start to kick in, and also the cost reduction. So the idea is to have uh, more of the equipment produced in Taiwan, and also have more of the, the the skills available in Taiwan, and with that reduce the costs of the of the farms and uh, reduce the subsidy that the government has to give on the, uh, on the electricity produced by these farms. The majority of new wind farm projects being green-lighted for Taiwan are situated in its waters, and these are known as offshore wind farms. I asked Bart why more onshore wind farms aren't an option. I think that, uh, well, since Taiwan is a pretty crowded country, it's uh, no matter uh, where you decide to install your onshore wind turbine, you may always run into discussions on whether or not that location is suitable and different people have different opinions about that. So it's, it's a bit harder to allocate land for it. And that's also um, where, where we are doing onshore. That's, that's probably the main issue that we're running into, that it's hard to get the permitting through. Uh, the permitting process is also rather complicated. There are many authorities involved. Um, you have to do an environmental impact assessment. You have to uh, apply for the build, building permits with the local authorities. Uh, you need to have the, uh, the approval to produce electricity from the Bureau of Energy. So this is all rather complicated, and that makes the, the, um, the speed and, um, how to say, the, the, the certainty for which you can develop onshore wind a bit more difficult. There's been opposition to both off- and onshore wind farm projects in Taiwan, with fishery agencies claiming they harm biodiversity in the oceans, and the Civil Aviation Authority's opposition to one offshore project due to apparent flight safety concerns meant it was scrapped entirely. I asked Bart about the challenges against wind power development, and he suggested a community farm could be a way to get more people on board. From my personal observation, sometimes uh, there is local uh, politics involved and 
sometimes it's uh, the, 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 the question is about the amount of compensation to be paid. Um, I think that uh, one of the main things that we have to tackle as an industry is to make people more familiar with what the technology and the industry does and, and uh, what the benefits are and, and what the technology is needed for. Uh, and the internet is definitely not the right location to, to look up such information. Um, so my own company, Anacom, we are interested in developing uh, something called a community wind farm. And that is where you let residents participate in the development of a wind farm. So you let them invest a small amount of money in this wind farm, and then they uh, get ownership of this farm. Uh, this is a model that has worked well in Europe, and with that, you you, you create a more deeper understanding of um, yeah, why you want to do this and, and what the benefits are for yourself uh, when you develop such uh, such energy generation. Which parts of the uh, wind farm development is the community involved in? There are different models for that. Uh, the easiest one is where a developer comes in first and then in the wind farm they transfer that to the community. That, that's one way. That's usually the easiest one uh, because the developer has the experience. But there are also community farms where the the, the residents have done it from, from the ground up and they've basically um, found the, the, the manufacturer and, and then the expertise on the market themselves and, and um, created this wind farm by themselves. Uh, so that, that's, that's a second model. And actually a third model could be uh, local um, uh, governments. So it's uh, the city government or the town government that initiates such, uh, such a project and involves the community with that. What I've read is that the waters off the northeast coast, although they may be the most ideal place, they're too deep for traditional fixed-bottom wind turbines, but there is potential for floating turbine technology. Do you have any experience implementing this, and what do you think the pros and cons are of this kind of wind turbine? Uh, what I know of it is that uh, it's, it's a relatively new technology, but it's proven, so it does work. But the, the thing there is that the costs associated with it are, are um, high, and it's not clear how these costs will develop once these uh, floating wind turbines are installed on a, on a larger scale. So the long-term cost development of this technology is not clear. Uh, so that, that, that's uh, where um, the questions are. Uh, it, I know that there's interest in Taiwan for this technology, also from the idea that uh, maybe this is a technology that Taiwan themselves could develop. It's uh, a latecomer to the wind industry. Uh, this being a new technology, maybe Taiwan can contribute to its further development and reduction of cost, and with that become a forerunner uh, for this technology. And that's an interesting idea. Do you think Taiwan needs this technology to meet its long-term wind energy generation goals? Well, as I indicated in the beginning, there is a 30, there's this target of 30% wind energy uh, eventually uh, as, a, as, a, as a part of the total energy consumption in Taiwan. Um, I, I think with the current plans, we already come pretty close. Uh, nevertheless, there will always be the need to look for further cost reduction. In the end, we want to be able to generate our electricity as, as cheap as possible and uh, as, as efficient as possible. And, and, and it could be that in the long term, this could be um, 
something that also Taiwan is going to need. Okay, my final question for you today is, in your view, how is the pandemic affecting the development of wind power in Taiwan? So from my own experience, from my own company, it was not so much. Uh, we had some added costs and difficulty flying technicians in. But since uh, we are mostly self-sufficient with our own staff, um, that, that did not really uh, hurt us in any way. For the offshore wind in general, they still depend a bit more on foreign staff, again, because the local skills and the local abilities are not there yet. Uh, so they had some added costs and difficulty to get the staff in um, and, 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 and go through quarantine and whatnot. But um, I think that was, a, that was a small price to pay uh, to, to be able to operate in a country where Mobility is not restricted, and I have not heard that it has significantly uh, impacted any of the projects. Okay, well, that's, that's good news. Thanks for speaking to us today. It's been very informative. And thank you again for listening to Taiwan Talk. Bart Linson is a co-chair of the Wind Energy Committee at the European Chamber of Commerce Taiwan and the managing director of the Asia-Pacific hub of Enercon. This podcast was produced in collaboration with the European Chamber of Commerce Taiwan's Low Carbon Initiative. Don't forget to tune in again next week for a brand new episode. Hi, I'm Ryan Drilsma. And I'm Trevor Tordomasi. And we're the co-hosts of Taiwan Talk. You can catch our show on ICRT every Monday during the 8 a.m. and 7 p.m. newscasts. Or you can catch us on Apple Podcasts, SoundOn, or wherever you might usually find podcasts. New episodes are uploaded every Monday night. Thanks for tuning in, and we'll be back next week with a new guest.